Down Sports. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. You can follow me on Twitter again at Lock It Up Media. You can get the podcast wherever you listen to them. Type in Lock It Down Sports on the podcast app of your choice. We're there. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Lock It Down Sports. I'm your host, of course, Lock Hoover. And so much to get into as I'm sorry for the delay. Not being able to go last week. We're having some uh, technical issues, shall I say. But nevertheless, we're back. Here I am. And how about that World Baseball Classic? So just the final between Japan and the United States had 5.2 million watching. 5.2 million watching for two teams squaring off. And I loved the World Baseball Classic. It was a fun, enjoyable watch, without a doubt. Of course, I was pulling for Team USA to pull it out, but Japan's a good team. This is the second one they've won. So it's not like it's something out of the blue of, oh, where's uh, where's Japan? Where are they coming from? No, I mean, they're a good team. And it's a great event. And I'm happy it got the viewership and eyeballs that it did. I mean, it only helps the game of baseball as a whole, especially Major League Baseball, showcasing their players, majority of their players, obviously outside of Japan. Of course, they got Shari Tani and a few others coming to the bigs. Or future Japan players coming to the bigs, but still... Their players putting on a show, but also just the game of baseball itself of, say, Team Czech Republic that had doctors and firefighters and things things like that as a regular occupation that they came in and said, yeah, we'll go play in World Baseball Classic to represent our country. Absolutely great. So awesome event. And it's uh, you can't ask for anything better. Before we get to anything else, let me tell you my friends at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time. Now, we got the final four. And you know what? It's cool and it's exciting that we got these teams that are underdogs that aren't blue bloods in the final four. The only thing about this is I don't have a strong pulling preference for either, either of the four, any of the four teams really. So like the first uh, final four game between Florida Atlantic and San Diego state, San Diego state wins. Cool. Florida Atlantic wins. Okay, cool as well. I, you know, there's no team to hate like Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina. On the other end, UConn and Miami, two Power 5 programs. So you're going to have a non-Power 5 program and a Power 5 program going at it in the championship game. And honestly, I don't care if any one of these four teams wins. And I like I'm fine with it. 
obviously TV execs are going to hate it. It's probably going to be bad numbers TV-wise. I don't care. But that's where we're at, and it's kind of refreshing. It is. It's kind of refreshing, and with no dog in the fight, I just hope we get good games. That's really all I'm asking for and wanting. Just give me a good game. Two of them in the Final Four, and hopefully you get one more in the Finals. But just give me a good game. That's really all I can ask. Now, I know the regular season, is baseball season, is finally underway. It started yesterday with home openers. There's some going to be some openers for today, and then a lot of, a lot of people, teams have uh, off days today to make sure the, they get home openers in for tickets and fans and all that. But I didn't get to speak on this last week because of our technical issues. And I want to get into the Von Grissom and Brandon Shoemaker decision from the Braves, both of them being sent to Gwinnett. When I saw that coming across the Twitter sphere from everybody in the Braves camp, Mark Bowman, the Grant McCauley's, the beat writers, all those I was like, and of course from the Braves itself, I was like, whoa, huh. My first thought was, okay, they're both going down, and then we're going to get an announcement. Ten minutes later, the Braves are traded for Willie Adamas or fill in the blank. Obviously, the season started. We haven't gotten that. And they named Orlando Arcia the starting shortstop. And I was like, huh. Okay, that's something that's interesting. So here's 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 where I'm at with this. I think my only guess for this is Von Grissom. They didn't think they don't think he can handle the shortstop position at a full time level at the big league level at this time. So therefore, let's send him to double triple A to let him get his reps in, continue to get better and build and grow. Then you got Brandon Shoemaker, who wasn't even in the conversation until the last few weeks, week and a half, probably two weeks of spring training. You were like, oh, okay. Yes, the former number one overall pick, for sure. First round pick, but struggled mightily with the bat in the minors so far in his career. He's not young. He's 24, 25. But he had a good stream, uh, uh, good spring. So, hey, let's send him down. Continue to see if he will and can hit at Triple A, because there's gonna be no problems with him and his glove. That's never been an issue when it comes to Brandon. So, see if he can continue to hit. And then you've got a good problem to have. You've got two good shortstops that are playing well at AAA. How's playing time going to work? I don't know. Here's what I think should happen, though. I think, and there's been reports, but nothing's been confirmed any in any realm at all. I think they should rotate between second and shortstop. To me, Grissom has to be in the lineup every single night. Shoemaker as well. Both of them have to be in the lineup every every single night. But here's what I would like to see. Grissom, always in the lineup, whether it's short, second, left, 
or even some third base. I mean, they know Shoemaker can play short, so get him some reps at second base in case there's an injury, another injury to Ozzy. And then you've got two options in Grissom and Shoemaker to come up and play second base. Grissom, get better at short almost to me. Give him five days a week at shortstop. Game six at second. Uh, game seven and left. So he's getting some left field reps, some second base reps, some shortstop reps as well. Or maybe you skip the second base reps because you know he can play. You know he's you saw what you saw at the big league level, him playing second base for Ozzy Albies. So okay, we feel comfortable, we feel good at him for him over at second base. Let's get him short, some left field, and maybe even some third base. I mean, the shoemaker thing's easy. I mean, five, six days a week at second, give him a game, give him a game at short just to keep him fresh. Which leads me to this, obviously. Orlando Arcia is the starting shortstop. Um, maybe they believed he was the best defender of the three. Uh, I, maybe I, I would venture to say no. I don't, I don't, I don't think he was, but he can do the, he can do the regular stuff. He can make the plays. He can do the simple, uh, routine plays. And whatever he gives with a bat is going to be enough because the Braves lineup is going to be good enough. And maybe, maybe that's it. The other, other thing I'm thinking of when it comes to Von Grissom, they want him to make the routine plays and get better, of course, improve and continue to hit. But for me, I think one of the things could be service time for Von Grissom. I do. I believe they said if he stayed down till June, he would get a uh, the Braves would get another year of service from him. To slow down their service clock. And I could see that with Von Grissom and the Braves. They like him offensively. They know they can play second. He can play second. He's going to hit. They believe that. And the small sample size, of course, we saw it as well. So I think that might be one of the bigger things for the Braves and Von Grissom, the service time. Shoemaker, on the other hand, I don't think they're really concerned or worried about his service clock. He's only twenty. He's already twenty-five, and he hasn't made the big leagues yet. So six years of him. Say the Braves keep him for six years. He'll be 30, 30, 31. as a that. You know, whatever. You're not concerned about his age and a player like that when it comes to him. So, we'll see how it transpires. I mean, it's one game. Arcia had a RBI single yesterday, which is which is great. I mean, if he does that, he doesn't even have to hit a ton. He has to hit just enough and make the plays at shortstop. So, that's uh, that's that's where we're at at shortstop. We'll see how it, how it turns out now. The Braves bullpen... 
lot of people were up in hissy fits of, man, I can't believe Nick Anderson got sent down. Well, part of that is because he was sent down because he has options. Well, two seconds later, he was opted back up to the big leagues because Rossell and Glacius was put on the DL. Nick Anderson lights out this spring and has been a dominant reliever in the past. And it was, we're going to see him at some point. When is it? I don't know. We're going to see him at some point whenever there's an injury or an ineffective reliever. Well, we didn't even get out of spring training before he's up in the big leagues because of a hurt reliever in Rossell Iglesias. Yes, they'll have a decision to make what they do when Iglesias comes back. I think that'll be an easy one. It'll be Tonkin. It's probably going down. Out of options, but you know that that's okay. I don't think it's going to be that big of a loss for him and for the Braves. Now, the fifth starter spot was something to watch in spring training, too. I mean, obviously, the clear-cut favorites were Anderson, Elder, and Soroka. Soroka gets hurt. Okay. He's out. He's not going to opening open the season with the Braves. Well, Anderson and Elder weren't throwing well. Elder was okay. Anderson, not so much. So, it was going to be down to Dylan Dodd or Darren Schuster. Two highly touted pitchers. They both threw great during spring training. Yeah, and now with Cal Wright starting the DL, of course, Dodd and Schuster are, are now both in the starting rotation. They haven't brought Dodd up just yet because they were waiting for to clear a 40-man roster spot for him. They're still going to have to clear a 40-man roster spot somewhere. What they do is still kind of unknown. And with Max Freed just going, well, he hasn't officially gone on the DL yet. That'll that'll be the 26-man 20, roster spot right there. Freed goes on the DL. Of course, it'll be the 15, but they, so they'll still need to create a 40-man roster spot. Probably Tonkin once again. But remains to be seen what they do with Freed in that direction. So here are kind of my thoughts with them on why they went with Dodd and Schuster as opposed to Anderson and Bryce Helder. I think for one, the Braves want to see if they can continue to carry over how they were throwing in spring into the regular season. Without a doubt, they wanted to bring that firepower, that stuff, that they had in spring training. Yes, it's spring training numbers. Make up them what you want. I don't buy into them. But there's some, there is, there's a little bit of merit to what they're doing, which which is good. That that There's some revelance to it, but also not full-on full on belief. So there's that going on. And I think another end, too, is Start them on in the season, in the rotation, that can carry on that momentum 
to win, say they can win five of their seven starts or eight of the 10 starts, that right there could determine to me the division. It's going to be a tightly contested division with the Phillies, with the Mets. Yes, the Mets are taking some pretty big hits. And of course, Edwin Diaz and now Justin Verlander going in the DL. But Philly's still going to be hot at the heels. Or right, look at this end. Maybe it's five to seven starts, eight to ten starts. That could determine best record having home field advantage throughout. Without a doubt, those five to seven starts, eight to ten starts, or if they pitch well, the Braves win, could be a big deal if they want to carry their hotness from spring training, see if they can get on a run, at least pitch well enough for the base to be in contention to win in the early season. So that's why another reason I think the Braves decided to roll with both Dodd and Schuster as opposed to one of Elder and Anderson because of that reason. They know they've gotten Ian Anderson. They need to get him right. Elder, he was pitching okay. They know what they have in them. And all these guys are the very, very same age. So that's another reason as well. So it's going to be fun to watch how it all transpires on how it all takes place. Let me tell you about my friend at Stream Studio. It's a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than one minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms at the same time. Now, this was last week um, on First Take. And I don't ever watch the show, the hot take show at all. But this did catch my eye in an article and in a video, a video clip as well. And this is regards to uh, Stephen A. Smith and uh, J.J. Redick. You might have saw this, but they're having a conversation about, of course, who else? LeBron James. And Mario Chalmers comes out and says, we don't fear LeBron James anymore. Stephen A. Smith, here's what he tells J.J. Reddick. You need to pay more attention to the conversation, not the question that was asked. And here's the thing. I really did love J.J. Reddick's response to this, how he brought up that conversation and how he delivered his answer. So JJ Reddick gives the answer gives the answer to this question, talking about how different opponents bring fear to coaches when game planning. Typical response from a former athlete and player, solid good player, of course you know what he did at Duke in college, and a solid good NBA career as well. Here's why, and it was funny too, Stephen A. Smith didn't like J.J. Reddick's answer of defining what fear is and saying that right there. Know why? I think because it wasn't a yelling match, over-the-top matchup and scream fest. That first take typically is when Stephen A. Smith and Mad Dog come on in and yell about nonsense that no one cares about. 
or Baron Davis comes on and talks about the MVP, we, we all know where that conversation went and his comments on that, that topic. It wasn't a yelling, pissing, and screaming match to bring clicks and to bring views to potentially amp up this. I think some of this is, I think the other issue of this too is Stephen A. Smith didn't like that J.J. Reddick was actually bringing reason and facts to this show that backed up his opinion. Which, of course, isn't hot take. Isn't a hot take, and what is not what first take is. You, you're not allowed to have facts and opinion and to back up your opinion on first take. It's not allowed. I mean, it, that's, that's, that's a frustrating thing. And to me, I, I like I said, I love what JJ did to bring up the current topic, talking about preparation and bringing fear and preparing for a game. To me, is it not frustrating when a reporter asks a question to a coach and he doesn't answer it? No, JJ answered the question and gave his facts and opinion on that. I appreciate that. I really do like that that he brought that take, factual, backed-up opinion take, too hot take. Too hot. I don't even know what the show's called. First take. Let me try that. There. First take, not hot take. But yeah, that's great. I'm happy they did that. JJ did that, and good for the show. I think another issue is, I think for Stephen A, when JJ just kind of goes about face and doesn't get in the arguing match about what the conversation is supposed to bring, JJ's bringing a different kind of conversation to the question that was proposed and discussed, not getting the yelling match of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, which is a regular topic on first take. It is. LeBron's better. No, Michael Jordan's better. No, no, no. Back and forth. The rings, the goat, same teams, super teams, power teams. It's how many times do we have to go over it other than Every other day. This must have been, they must have been gone two days or a day without getting in that argument. And uh, JJ pushed it to uh, three days where they don't get to the argument. So good for him. I'm really happy with his response and how we handle that. Now, if you've been seeing, and I, you've heard me talk about this on the Lock It Down Sports podcast, about Diamond Sports which is regarding revolves uh, Bally sports and how it affects uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, I've specifically obviously been talking about Major League Baseball because I've gone bankrupt. But it's affects with the NFL, NHL, and NBA as well. So why does it affect Major League Baseball and its teams the most? Here's why. Major League Baseball generates $10.4 billion 
and revenue from tickets, sponsorships, TV, and concessions. That's you know that's that's the whole game. That's everything. And then, but they have two point two five billion from local TV deals. That's double the NBA and three times the NHL. 23% of their 10.9 billion dollars come is coming from Bally's. In reverse and difference, the NFL, 2% of the 17.4 billion of revenue of the local T of from their local TVs coming from Bally's and Diamond Sports. NBA. 13% of the $9.9 billion of revenue is local TV. NHL, 12% of the $6 billion of revenue in local TVs. So that, that just shows you how much Major League Baseball relies on the financial income from Bally. And of course, different teams have different deals uh, with their local TV Bally's market. When it comes to ratings, you ask, how are they doing when it comes to ratings on a local night for TV? Well, baseball's good ratings. They are. They're number one in 22 of the 29 markets. Number one in the ratings in 22 of the 29 markets. Obviously, Baseball is good for business, good for the TV business, good for the ratings, good for the revenues. The only problem is you need to find a solution. Major League Baseball, you need to find a solution and one that fans can find your games and watch your games. And I feel like you're going to but you hate to lose that hot momentum you built up and developed from the WBC. You had all those eyeballs on the World Baseball Classic. Only if you could carry that momentum, that excitement to the Major League Baseball season, which you get to see all the exact same players. All the ones you would go see, Team Puerto Rico, Team Venezuela, the big stars of Team Japan, Team USA. They're all in the bigs. They're all there. No, they're not all under one same team anymore, but you can still watch them. You can still see them. You hate to lose that momentum. You do. Uh, there's so many ways to you can you, you can get around this and get this correct. I mean, the first, I feel like the simple one is eliminating the blackouts. With teams, if you want to have MLB TV, if I'm a Braves fan and I live in Atlanta and I don't have Valley Sports, I can't even buy MLB TV to watch the Braves. Yeah, I can watch the 30 other Major League Baseball teams. But that doesn't serve me, my purpose, and my audience because I can't watch my team that I want to watch. 
do you see the issue here? I, I mean, I would hope so. So you're going to lose that momentum. You are. And it's a sad thing, but that's the kind of uh, problem Major League Baseball is at at this point. It's not in a good spot when it comes to that sort of thing. So you can find me on Twitter, Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. Now, I don't know if you saw this, and I don't know how you would react if this was the case, but recently, a North Carolina man was with a company is with a company inspecting a house, and he walks up into an attic. And he sees an eight-foot alligator. Eight foot. That's no joke. And he thought it was fake. He thought it was his crew that he was with inspecting the house. Was playing a joke on him. It was a stuffed animal. So he walks around. He does the inspection. He comes back up to the attic. And he's getting close to it, looking at other things. He sees it start moving and walking. And he goes, hold up. This alligator ain't fake. It's alive. They were able to take care of it and get it under control. But my goodness, I think I would have been flipping out. I'm seeing an eight-foot alligator in close proximity to me in an attic where there's not, not a lot of space to maneuver typically. You want to be careful not to fall, but it was under control. They were able to take it out and get it covered. But an eight-foot alligator up roaming around and moving, that's one in close confines. They're quick son of guns too. That's a scary uh, proposition. And fortunately, no one got hurt. That's all I've got today. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. That's Lock It Up Media on Twitter. You can find me wherever you get your podcast. You miss a Lock It Down Sports. Talk to you next week.